the drummer was from New York at the time. His name was Tommy, and he was a sick drummer. And um, why did you him, have a drummer we, from New York when you guys? We are... couldn't find one in England. It was, <laughs> okay. like, it was a mess. It was a fucking mess. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Um, there's a plethora of great European bands that I've discovered over the years of, of being in this whole scene. And one that came onto my radar very early in, I guess, my journey um, is a part of who I'm bringing on on the show today. And this band, I think, has been a a band that has done so much within their own UK and European hub and to see them finally kind of doing a, a couple North American things, um, which kind of prompted the idea of having uh, Richie on the show here um, is something that I'm very excited about because I've been a big fan of this band ever since um, one of the first time I heard of them. So I'm very excited to be today to be welcoming Richie of Desolated on the Scoped Exposure podcast. Thanks for joining me, Ben. Yes, man. How are you? You good? I'm good. Um, chilling. Um, very excited to talk some desolated things with you. Um, but before we get in, uh, into all the music chats, um, as you know, we have to check some bevs for the show. So it's tradition oh, yeah. for the guests to go first and showcase what they're where they're bringing beverage wise. Well, I've got the most important beverage of all time. Really, it's just straight water, and it's yep. not only is it water, smart water. Yeah. So. I'm guessing it's going to make me more intelligent the more I drink of it. So <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah. You you always got to, you know, some some people will come onto the show and they're like, I'm not bringing anything special, but like water is the be all and end all. It's best. special though, isn't it? Really? It's very yeah. special when you think about it. It's, I mean, it's in every other beverage. So mm -hmm. straight to the source. Yeah. Is a uh, smart water your go-to when you're, you know, buying water versus getting something out of the tap? Or I mean, I like the bottle, to be honest. That's the only reason. And the branding oh. looks pretty good. I don't really know if there's any difference between this and any <laughs> other water, if I'm honest. But yeah. The bottle's nice. There's another one that's like flat at the top. That's also great. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, good branding for anything uh, always catches my eye as well as a brand or, or uh, a Bev connoisseur, uh, which is kind of a perfect segue. I'm also drinking something water related, but I'm drinking um, this. It's called a Botany and it's a sparkling uh, botanical water in the black oh, cherry nice. and vanilla flavor. And same thing. I was like, that can looks crazy. Branding is on point. And I don't think I've ever had a sparkling botanical water, but uh, we're going to give it the I've old college honest, try. I, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds magical. <laughs> well, it's like botanical. I think of something kind of like a marsh or something that you're going on like a weekend date with your partner and you're going to, right. to a botanical garden. Um, not to say that they just took this can and just like, you know, with all the frogs and koi fish or whatever. But uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to the black cherry and vanilla flavoring is a is a good pairing, I think. 
and it it checks out. Yeah, that, nice. Yeah, cool. Well, um, Richie, cheers to you, man. Really excited to finally have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. So, uh, Richie, any new guests that comes here on the show who haven't done you know, previous interviews, at least on our show, I always like to get a bit of context as far as how that person just got on their hardcore journey. So kind of like your hardcore punk metal origin story. Um, take me a bit way back in time when you were like first either hearing, screaming, guitar music, breakdowns, ho- however you want to spin it. I mean, I've, I think I've always been into metal, really, because my my dad was into it. So my old man was like showing me bands like Black Sabbath and Metallica when I was like 10. And then he just bought me a guitar one Christmas and was like, I'll learn this. And I was like, yeah, all right, fine. Um, so I did. And then I, I started getting into sort of more like Metallica and Megadeth and stuff like that, more of the sort of heavier thrash scene, which, I mean, is pretty similar to hardcore anyway. When you break it down, it's all riffy, isn't it? So I think when I got into like hardcore, I mean, I started going to sort of bigger shows like Metallica, Megadeth and stuff like that with my dad when I was like 14. Mm. And I think when I got into hardcore, I was probably about 17 or 18. And my friend Dan Ford, who was the bassist in Desolated, but left a couple of years, well, probably quite a few years ago now, he was like, oh, I'm playing this show with his old band. And it was, I think it was Gravemaker and Carpathian. Oh, <laughs> that really? Was the, that's that that's was, a yeah. Canadian pick for for me. So that yeah, that was one of the the first hardcore shows I went to. And Gravemaker, wow, that's killed that's it, man. Very crazy. I was literally listening to uh, their first record um, just last week, um, and and reminiscing of those days. But it's crazy that a Canadian man was one of your first like yeah. real deal local bands. That's really. Cool. I think that was the first proper hardcore show i went to and then it was around the same time that i went to your demise brutality will prevail were on that tour as well and this is color which were all like uk bands but that was like a cool tour for back in the day like yeah it was just as your demise changed their singer i think as well so it was like a Mm -hmm. big deal there was loads of kids there and i was like this is mad like Mm -hmm. i just like the energy man like i think with metal it's cool and stuff and you you've got a lot of talented people on stage but you're never going to get the same energy as you get with hardcore. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. There, there's way, there's a huge difference of like you go to the big thousand person concert hall or whatever, and they have the projector screens and the smoke and the fire and all that. Like, uh, like it would be funny when I would talk to my, my parents when I was like first get like going to like local shows, I'd be like, I, I made a clear uh, difference between I'm going to a concert or I'm going to a show. Yeah. And I feel like there's just different levels of that. But the energy of like a show, which is like going to be, you know, just all those local bands, maybe a touring back, a uh, touring act here and there that can, that like veracity and that like how things can go from zero to 100 is not the same. If you're going to see like, like when I, when I saw Slipknot, it was like I'm gonna sit back and like enjoy this. Yeah. But when I see a band that's like clearly influenced by Slipknot, I there's like a new sense of uh, in in intensity that like builds in me. And you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I I think it. Like, I remember seeing in was it Metallica, uh, Wembley Stadium, and like I think it was around the same time I got into hardcore, and I was just stood there at the back, like wow. 
like they've mm-hmm. got fireworks like this is <laughs> this is wild right and it, i mean they sound fucking mint but it's it's a different vibe isn't it you're not going to get that in a 200 cap room where everyone's jumping off the stage and moshing and shit and everyone's waiting for that moment in the set where it like it like kicks off and it's like you're just you've got that adrenaline going i think with with the bigger metal shows you don't have that yeah i i don't think it's necessarily like it's a smaller space so the the energy is like you know more condensed i think it's more like everyone in a at a local show is more or less on their there for the 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 same reason as far as like being yeah. a part of that intense like uh expression uh, of music and dance and all that when you go and see metallica with thousands of people a lot of those people may maybe that's their like one show a year and they're just going out yeah. for drinks and and whatever but like you you still have diehard like metallica fans but like when it's at a show when people are like i actually don't even know any of these bands but i'm just here for the music then things can really just snowball and uh, become yeah, something definitely. really special for sure. And I think that with hardcore, there's more of like a community vibe as well. Mm. There's definitely, I don't know if that's because of the scale of it or whatever, but it's, I feel like you go to a Metallica gig and it's, or any sort of big metal show and it's like, yeah, you're going to get like a guy who's wasted, hug you and <laughs> tell you his name and show you his ID maybe like, yeah, but I think when you go to a hardcore show, you meet like-minded people that are there for the same reasons, and I think that that community vibe and that sort of sense of being is it's nice. It's nice for people to have somewhere where they can go and yeah. do what they've got to do. Like I've always, that's what I've always admired about hardcore. So you you're mentioning how your dad uh, was putting you on to some of the bigger like heavier acts at least when you're growing up like was he also going to these shows with you or would you get just get dropped off and then you would just tell him on the way home Well like metal shows or hardcore shows Well yeah I'm like you were saying how he started taking you to those bigger shows when you were 14 Yeah he would Oh god he would come in yeah definitely he would take me there and yeah and be there through uh throughout the whole thing i mean he loved them bands as well so for him it was like great like Mm -hmm. i'm going to see megadeth with my son he definitely didn't enjoy trying to navigate london when (laughs) when we went but the the show he was there throughout yeah and he loved it like it was his vibe i mean he i think he was really into like black sabbath and stuff like that so metallica obviously were the era after that so when he was going to them them things he was yeah it was his thing and then when i went to see um metallica at wembley i went with my mum as well which was mm. bizarre but i mean she's <laughs> she's another one i mean her favorite bands like queen mm. but she still likes metallica megadeth all that sort of stuff she doesn't go to many of them because she doesn't like standing up for hours on end which is completely fair but if there's seating tickets she, she's there oh yeah for so sure. it's, it's cool like yeah it was cool going with them and you know, so hearing that, about when they went to gigs when they were a kid. So did that carry over to when you were going to like the more local shows or were, was your dad like, no, no. they stepped out then. Yeah. Mm. They, they were like, no, this is not for me. Like there's someone <laughs> trying to, there's someone trying to jump on me. I'm not about it. Like, I got you. They, so they, like, they like the music. Like I can, I mean, every time I get in the car with my dad, I mean, it rarely happens now because we live in different sides of the country, but right. I'll be like, oh, you check out this band, see what you think. And like, I think I showed him like Power Trip and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's yeah. wicked. He loves it, but 
like I mean, he's in his seventies now, so he's not going to be going to them things with people, yeah, risking his health. You know what I mean? But I think he, he'll listen to it on on CD, and they still go and I, I mean, they still go and see bands. I think they went and saw Queen with that new singer. I don't know, Adam, someone I think it's called. Yeah, and yeah, so they're still actively go into those sort of things like heavy music but i mean they've taken sort of step back from the the yeah. more crazier stuff they've seen desolated more times than they can probably count um which <laughs> and, and even they, then they it's back. kind of that uh that thing where you're like hey i want you to come see my band but i know it could get a little crazy and even like the if even if you stand behind the amps there's still a sliver of a chance that some yeah person's gonna be like oh i'm gonna yeah. act up and be the the on-stage crowd killer you know so yeah, yeah 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 so yeah they've definitely seen all of that and i think my mum sort of stepped back early into our sort of band life really because she was like this is just violent and um i don't really understand it each to yeah. their own but it's not for me and i was like yeah, yeah fair you, you, you can't really but they were always relatively supportive of it. I mean, they're into it. They always listen whenever we put out a record. They've always like listened to it and been like, "Yeah, love it." But won't they come don't. see you live, but they love it. <laughs> pretend to love it. Yeah, right. I think they. I think they hate the vocals. Hate them because mm. they don't understand it. They're like, "Why is he sound like he's got a sore throat?" Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, but that's they, kind of the vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, they they they're still into it now and i mean i could probably show my dad some hardcore bands with sort of like lighter vocals and he'd love it mm -hmm. maybe not so much my mom she's still set on queen but yeah <laughs> yeah it, it it's a i have this firm belief that like if someone dug deep enough into any music genre they would for sure find some so at least one artist or some act that they could vibe with so whether you know, and that's for everyone that's like, I don't, I listen to everything, but not country. It's like, if you like did a deep yeah. dive for a month long, you would find some awesome country artists. It's just like people yeah. don't have the patience, the time to be able to, you know, really dedicate their lives to, to doing that. And it doesn't come natural to people to, to chase those curiosities or like, wh where do I even look for that? But uh, it's cool to hear that your parents are at least, you know, yeah. listening to your music uh, when, when you guys are putting out albums. Yeah, for real. That's still, still backing it still backing it um so let's talk about like the origin of desolated um you know you're the first member of said band um who's coming on the show and you know so talk to me about like how the project came to be was uh you know i think when we were setting this up cam was like richie is the guy to talk things desolated so um talk to me about like the the origin the the singular cell before the organism started i think the, the biggest thing was like so we started it when we were 16 but it didn't really start when we were 16 we, the people that were in it at the time just wanted to play music that was it mm. we were into metal we were just sort of getting into hardcore all we wanted to do is play music and play gigs like yeah. i don't think we knew what what it it was gonna be i think when when you're that age and kind of I hadn't really fully found hardcore yet. I'd listened to some bands and was like, Hatebreed was probably the furthest I've de I delved into it at that point. It was just sort of, I guess it was just five to people that were completely different and 
some obviously Paul's still in it, but the rest of them have been gone for a really, really long time now. Um, just wanted to play music, man. And it, and it, the sound obviously started off very metal because I think we were at the time, the people into in it were very into death metal. Mm. Um, I was sort of getting into more of the hardcore space, but was still very much involved in sort of listening to Cannibal Corpse and stuff on a daily. So I think at that point we just wanted to play music really. And I think Paul came round mine when I was like maybe 16 and we had like a little practice room set up in my garage and he was like, I think he like came to play guitar, but then was like, I haven't played guitar in years. I kind of suck, but I might be able to sing. And we were like, yeah, perfect. Like that works. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just all about, wanting to find people like-minded people to play music because like me and the drummer at the time and the guitarist the other guitarist were from a really small village outside of Southampton weren't that linked up with Southampton City or anything like that quite far removed from it just like going to like metal shows when we could and I think it was just about finding people to play music because we we grew up in like the era of grime like the the first boom of grime which was a cool thing to be a part of but it's not i i wanted to play metal so i wasn't going to start trying to rap but every single person like in our school grime Mm. They used to they used to sit at the bus stops rapping like with beats on their Nokia thirty three tens that they had. They managed to get some beat on there, and they used to just battle rap all the time. There was not at that point there wasn't a scene. It was before even like the sort of boom of the scene kid emo stage that happened when I went to college, and that's when we I started meeting so many people into music into heavier music mm. and that's when i eventually met dan who was our bassist and got into hardcore really because he was like into your demise and stuff like that and he basically just went to any any hardcore show that played he he, he knew of he would be at and that's yeah. i started going with him so and i think he likes all like have heart and stuff in southampton which is like wild really when you think about it but he and i don't did he know who they were at that time? Um, maybe. It was be <laughs> before the boom of the internet, but he was just there fucking jumping off stage. So, right. yeah, it, that's sort of how it really started. I think the band really come sculpted together when it was sort of me, Dan, Paul, it was Mitch was playing drums at the time. And then we went for a stage where we were a four-piece, but then we had a guy called Rob from Southampton, and he was also quite involved in hardcore. Right. So that's really where it started. And then I think as time went on and we explored other cities, I think by the time I was sort of 20, I was going to a hardcore show like every week, just traveling somewhere in the country to see a band. Like mm -hmm. we traveled like four or five hours just to go see that backtrack all day or in Sheffield, which was mental. And then you'd see them on Wednesday in Southampton. Like it was, <laughs> it was just, that was my life for so long. Right. It was amazing. And, then, and to be honest, looking back, they were probably the best times of my life, just getting in the car at the weekend with, with your boys and being like, right, we're going to a show mm -hmm. and going somewhere and seeing a band and then playing shows as well. Mm -hmm. They were obviously getting busier and more more populated at that time. And I think we had a bit of buzz and we were releasing records. And I think then it obviously really kicked off when we released 
disorder of mind which is the one with death by my side on that's when it yeah. popped really yeah there, there's a lot of uh younger people um that listen to this podcast and um you know i, I think you're a few years older than me um and just correct the record if i'm, I'm trying to like uh incorrectly guess your age but i just turned 30 this year so i think you're yeah you might 33 just be... yeah oh yeah so just north of me but yeah anyone who's like in their early 20s or anything like essentially who like grew up with the internet already at a scale of getting mature but now we're just like it's just at an all-time high but like before yeah. you probably had the one person that you knew who was like the nerd the not even the nerd but the wizard when it came to heavy music and they could just recommend you all these different things um we used it... to use that thing i can't remember what it was it was on blogspot and you used to go through like a hardcore blogspot and download zip files of bands and then right. when you went to a distro you'd buy vinyl mm -hmm. and you you used to go to a distro and be like i've heard of them i'll buy their records like right i, I think dan had a what did he have he had trapped under ice demo that he'd got off some zip win raw site or whatever it was <laughs> but it wasn't at the right speed because they've ripped it off the vinyl and we were listening to it like yeah it's kind of cool but then we got the actual <laughs> version and we're like this is sick <laughs> you're like oh this sounds like actually like as as it was intended um yeah but yeah the the times are just so different back then and i think it either made people obsess about it more because it was it, it there was more gratification on like digging through your local record store or like you you like you said getting those online links and downloading and then looking through the for fans of and being like oh like i'm gonna write this down in a notebook and and go home and, and do my research nowadays you can just like hit your spotify daily mix and then you can discover bands that way which i don't think you know one might be more of like a glory days versus the other but I, I do think that there was more work required to actually like obsess about this versus what it is now that, you know, people can come in um, and, and have a very fruitful uh, understanding and excitement about it. But like anyone from like kind of the previous and, you know, the Internet existed, but it was like, like, I still remember, yeah. like, I still remember going to a friend's house and then um, going on the Internet, but like their mom was on the phone and the phone got disconnected and she was screaming, you know, like, yeah, the, di the dial up. Yeah. 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 The dial up era. So, you know, yeah, I don't know definitely. If... I think it must be, I mean, it's no surprise in like, I mean, I don't know if it's the same way you are, but it's bigger here now than it's ever been. I think, oh. I mean, outbreak fest. I remember going to, was it outbreak fest two? And they sold it out at like 300 people. And that was big. Mm -hmm. Whereas now they're selling it out at 8,000 people. And you're like, wow, how? <laughs> but I, for me, it, it, it's only recently started to click about what you said about the Spotify things. You're, you're finding bands so quickly. People have more access to it now than ever, which mm -hmm. is crazy. And I think it's such a good thing for the, the scene, really, because it's now becoming way more populated whereas before when i mean when i was younger it seemed like there was a few key bands that used to do really well and then there was so much struggle whereas now like local shows they're popping off and you could go and see bands that you've not heard of and there's 
150 kids there. Right. Whereas I think when, well, definitely when I was younger, if you go and saw a hardcore band that not many people knew of, there might be 30 kids there. Yep. I remember those days like it was yesterday. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and maybe an interesting question about kind of the age and the and the the years of uh, that the hardcore scene is at now. Like Desolated, you know, I was just checking today, and you guys still have like like tens of thousands of monthly listeners, and um, it's mad. Yeah, and 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 you guys have you know a bunch of you know two great records and two great eps uh, on your belt but it hasn't you guys haven't put anything out kind of like in this post-covid kind of time frame so it's crazy i'm just kind of curious if new people who are discovering this stuff are like finding you guys from like or or you have haven't seen as many of those kids come um to to i guess like the the fan base so to speak uh i'm just kind of curious on on how much of that has come through the time yeah now. i i don't even know how it's happened if i'm honest um uh, i really uh, try and work it out as well like those monthly listeners i mean it's sick it's amazing but i remember putting out realm of misery and being I think it topped at maybe 60k and now it's like you've got 80,000 and it it ranges between 80,000 and sort of 90 to 100,000 every now and then. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they come from. The North American tour definitely helped and I think when we put that out that we're going to go back to America and we're touring it it like popped. It was crazy like the listeners went up and I remember Tony who plays bass for us now was texting me being like mate, the listeners are just going up every month since we announced America. And I was like, well, that's wild, like wicked. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, And I just don't know where it's coming from, to be honest, because like you say, we've not put out anything in ages. We've been working on a record for five years now, which is so unbelievably slow. (laughs) Um, It's it's mad. Like that North American tour, like some of those shows were crazy. And uh, they weren't that good when we went, when I felt we were at our peak in popularity when we just released Death By My Side. I think we did a, a seven inch after it with two tracks. And I think that was out when we went. Mm. I, I, I don't even know if it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like that. It was not as, the shows weren't as populated. They weren't as crazy. Whereas now it, it just seems like there's more of a market than there ever has been, which is wild and amazing. And I'm, I, I honestly feel quite blessed for a sort of second opportunity and not being left as some old timer in hardcore, but <laughs> it, it it's amazing to go out and still play those shows. And there's still people that care mm-hmm. and new, new people as well. Like we played Leeds about two weeks ago, headline Donfest. And like there was a mix. There was guys that I saw go into those shows when I was 21, still there. And then there's a bunch of new kids buying merch, like meeting us, talking to us, saying, "Oh yeah, I've, I've just found out about you and stuff." And it's like it's wild, that's mm-hmm. mad. Yeah, I it, love it. 
it's really cool like when you've been a been a band uh that has kind of stayed the test of time whether like you know maybe there's years of um the band being super active and then maybe not as much but like it's really cool to be able to be like see the the generational gap of uh your fan base so you have the kids who are like 19 and they just you know they maybe heard knock loose on uh, tiktok and now they're going through the rabbit hole and, and finding all these bands and then you have the person who when they were 19 it was death by my side and swinging for the fences at every desolated show right yeah, yeah. um but it, it's cool to i think i would rather that than just having the numbers of just young fans or just the old head fans like i i want to be able to be like okay i have been around the block and there's people who have like stayed along the way and I'm still finding, you know, there's yeah. still new people who are finding us. Yeah, for real, man. It's that's, I think that's the coolest thing about it is seeing those old, old people, old guys that used to come to shows and hanging out with them. Cause you know, them, like especially in UK when it was a small scene, you know, you know, those guys and you're hanging out, but then you've got new kids and it's cool because like, you, you know, you're old, your old heads will stand there. They'll come with us, like whatever. They'll hop in the van. We've known them for years and they'll be chilling, watching us standing on stage. And it's like, but there's still all of those new kids moshing. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. Like, I love it. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I think right now is probably the best time to be playing music, really. I I hope it lasts. That, And I, I think I get scared that it won't because it's it's difficult being a band that started essentially 15 years ago now mm. to still keep people interested, but it still seems to be, yeah, a thing. Yeah. I, I I've heard it from, from other people where they were comparing this boom that's happening within the hardcore world as the same as like grunge and the, the grunge boom only lasted, you know, four or five years or whatever whatever it is um but i feel like at least my optimistic side is like hopeful that it it's not like hardcore is trendy right now because i still feel like it's underground you know and any of the things they're putting it out in the forefront are just momentary and not like you know knock loose plays coachella and then next year it's going to be like 10 hardcore bands that are playing it i i don't think that's going to happen i think you know there might be one or two here and there but i think that 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 the amount of history of like just how it's derived from punk and and all that stuff is like this isn't something that just like um sparked off like maybe certain subgenres might have moments of rising and falling but i think just the hardcore scene which is i use it as a bit of an umbrella term that will i think continue going on and yeah there might there might be times in the future where you know, shows maybe go back to like less people than like selling out every single time. But like, I think it's, I feel like it's only going up. That's just yeah, my thoughts. That, and it, it's surprising because I think when I first saw it going up, I thought, wow, this is massive. And then it's a year later and it's going up more. And I'm like, it's wild. Like this is this genre that like, you know, you're a part of and it's wild. Like kids are, going crazy for it that is sick really isn't it and i feel like it's more in mainstream culture more so now than ever which is yeah. interesting i think i think people are starting to take it on as more of um 
uh, like, oh, look at me, I'm into this, I'm really cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's mm. that sort of like, I didn't wasn't one of the Kardashians wearing like an agnostic front T-shirt recently or something like that. Oh, potentially. Um, I saw something about that, and I think like they like that, don't they? They they like that. Oh, I'm super unique and listen yeah. to this i mean probably picked out by their stylist let's be honest but yeah so maybe I mean, the kardashian stylist listens to agnostic front which definitely. i think is still sick yeah it's <laughs> but, amazing isn't it but yeah. it's slowly creeping in more which i think is wild like mm-hmm. absolutely wild and it's sick yeah because like you can only get bigger yeah like there are certain shows or different things um, within just like more TV culture that, you know, you might see like a, a certain poster in the background or like a, a certain person wearing a T-shirt. And like that's not someone just waking up one day being like, I think I'm going to wear this, you know, as a bit of a gimmick. There's like someone who works on set who's like intentionally trying to um, yeah. leave, leave different like Easter eggs or different things like that. Um, and there's a thought process behind it, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, is I, what's important, I guess. Yeah. I've been watching um, a show called One Tree Hill. Um, my my wife watched it uh, when she was growing up and we've just been, I've been like, we've been rewatching it and I've been watching it for the first time, but there's one character that I guess is portrayed as more of like the punk of the circle of friends, but there, she's wearing like social distortion shirts and just like different things within her. I was just like, I like pause and I'm like looking at all these things and she's like, why are you pausing? (laughs) But uh, you know, it's things that make sense to me and you know, people that have our background um, versus someone that's like, Oh, you know, someone's screaming into a mic. I don't know who that is, but I'm like, Oh, that's so-and-so front man of this band. And they played for this many years. So um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, But yeah, there will always be people whether you're as big as the Kardashians or, you know, just some, some bozo who are going to try to, fake the funk but you know it, it it's just cool to see how everything feels like it's going up speaking of yeah. things going up um you were mentioning earlier how when the the first record or i guess it was uh the first ep that had death by my side on it you feel like that was kind of a trajectory and that, that was, was before definitely... i was just gonna say that's before the end which in my opinion that is one of my favorite like more beat down records of all time i feel like front to back it just there's no misses that was i think the end was like the first track i heard of you guys and then i went back to death by my side i was like oh okay here's like so it's so weird though because when that record came out we thought it flopped really like mate like honest to god (laughs) i i fucking that's my favorite record that i've ever been a part of writing uh, mm. i love that record so much like bits of it like still when i think about when we wrote it it was me the drummer was from new york at the time his name was tommy and he was a sick drummer and um why did you have a drummer like, from new york when you guys he couldn't find one in england it was, <laughs> okay. like, it was a mess it was a fucking mess so we toured so. america with um a vice who's now in he's the singer of combust oh him. okay he's and Wait, the sick. singer of combust played drums he was no so he was in vice he was the singer of vice who oh, we toured with he's okay. now in combust his drummer left 
America and came and lived in England for a bit without like any formal visa or anything like that. Just was doing it on like holiday ones, which turned out to be a disaster, which is why he left. <laughs> but yo, those guys were talented. Mm. So he joined us and was like, oh, he played guitar as well. So me and him started writing together. We went to a practice room in Wales and just lived in it for like a week and a half, two weeks. And, and we had like four songs we left with it finished mm-hmm. and we just would sit up all day, all night, just playing guitar, playing drums and writing lyrics. And it, it was like such a sick experience that like, and it's, it's wild because when we come out, we're like, Oh, it's not done that well. But it was once again, it, it came out at a time where they, there was no way to monitor how well it was doing. Like you had right. your record sales. It was the first record we'd put out on like a label beat down hardware, put it out from Europe we didn't know. We had no idea what it was going on. And it felt like following that, the shows weren't amazing. I think we obviously ran into quite a lot of problems with lineups. And we were like, wow, this record's just not done as well as we'd hoped. And now... Wild to hear that you Now feel- looking... Yeah. yeah uh, uh, absolutely mental. To the point where we were going out after, when we like came back after taking a break and barely playing any songs off it. And then I was like, hang on a minute. These songs that we're playing off that record are going off. Like, they're going off. Like, there's uh, someone's missing something here. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when I started to kind of talking to people. And they were like, no, man, that record's sick. Like, that record's it's, it's the best one you've done. And I was like, oh, right. But at the time, I think the band was so disjointed. Obviously, we had a drummer from America who's basically couldn't get in the country anymore because every time he tried to land they were like we're going to deport you next time mate you're taking a fucking piss oh fuck um (laughs) we were just so in such a like a rut that we didn't know we had no clue of the the impact that it had and i think Mm. maybe the impact was better throughout the different parts of the world because i think in europe i i don't know personally if they got it Mm-hmm. Like it was very influenced by Biohazard, like hugely massive New York influence with obviously our drummer at the time being from New York. I don't think they could really, I don't know if they, they sort of just wanted another beatdown record, like a straight up, just slow chugging beatdowns. We really wanted to push in more of that direction for a long time. Right. But then once we finally kind of had the resources to write in that sort of like creative space, that was when we pushed towards it. But yeah, it, it felt like, because that was at the same time, like Knock Loose came out with laugh tracks. I think mm. we looked at it like maybe we should have stuck heavier. But actually, I'm, I love that record. That's my favorite one we've written. Yeah. Well, even just looking at you guys' Spotify, like your top 10 songs, like there's two off of the uh, Disorder of Mind EP and everything else is just off that record. And like, yeah. you know, the, the tracks that have exceeded um, like a million streams, like those are all uh, off the end. And like, I I personally think Therapy is like a perfect beatdown song. Like, it's just like the way that, you know, there's the, the swell up and then like the stop with the do it. Like every yeah. time I'm just like pounded on my steering wheel. That song is For like... Me. That song, I remember writing that song in a practice room. And 
we didn't have a means to record the drums when we were writing it. So we'd program it in. And I was mm. like, program like, whatever. And Tommy's just being like, mate, it needs to be Lars Ulrich. And I'm like, what? Like, like what you want it like Lars Ulrich? And he's just like, literally just bang. bang. Yeah, just kick and snare, kick snare. That's so it. So fucking hard. Like, oh, dude, I it's, love all, that it's the blueprint for like real deal. Like, um, I'm not trying to plug my own shit, but like I started a side project where I feel like there I f- I was like, I wanna write beat down like this record because it just the tone of it, the production, the songwriting was just at a heaviest a heaviness that I like really wanted to at least try to replicate. Um and you know, there there were certain people that maybe who didn't know you guys were like picking up on different bands. And then I think, uh, cause I've had Jay from, from guilt trip on the show and a uh, big fan of that band as well. And when I sent it to him, cause I think that came up on, on his podcast, I was like, this is dev, this is heavily desolated influence. And he was like, Oh yeah, I, I can hear, uh, end riffs on, on, on this. So, oh, that's um, sick. Yeah. So so maybe after if uh if you'd be so kind to to check out the Yeah, track. send it, send it, definitely. Hundred yes. percent, man. I'm yeah. on that. There's one song specifically I was like, okay, this is maybe too close to ripping off this band, but uh, you know, everyone's pulling it. It all comes from, from somewhere, doesn't it? At the end yes. of the day. Like, yeah. Just go with it, man. Yeah. So you can have just take it. I I, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, but but it is wild to to hear that at least when you guys put out that record, it was just like did we do something wrong? But, you know, maybe that needed to marinate. And in time, people came, uh, well, not even like people came around to liking it, but maybe the right people just weren't hearing it the week that it dropped, you know? And I think the biggest problem was our biggest tour for it. It came out on the tour. So Mm -hmm. we went out on this tour playing predominantly songs off the end to promote the new record. And it was a room full of people just staring at us. Like, you play Death by My Side, there's kids flying off the stage. You're playing, like, Alanzapine. And, like, you need to know that song to get it live, like, for right. real. And, you know, you've got all the, like, the street beat type things going on. And it it, it, it just felt like no one cares about this record. Mm. Like, it was so weird. But then later, after time, it's like, no, that's... Our, our biggest record like even charlie when he joins like obviously he plays in malevolence he was like oh how come you want to play loads of songs off this the biggest stuff's the earlier stuff and i was like oh, i don't know man i'm not sure it is and he was like sure like i think it might be i'm like it doesn't look like it according to spotify right it's like numb that's a prime example yeah we've never played that live ever and then when we went to america and benny filled in we were like, we might as well just play a new set list because he's going to have to learn them all anyway. So it's whatever. We played mm. that song and it went off. Like I was like, oh, right. That's never thought to play it before, but then realized quite quickly that this is, we are in the sort of flip reversal of where we actually think we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I was just going to say that's a great segue into talking about that tour with these streets, um, you know, Big friends of the show. Uh, all those guys are gems of humans. Cam specifically, I, I've been able to rub shoulders a lot with him, and you know, uh, 
just big fans of that band. And when they announced that uh, Desolate was coming over and then Benny was also filling in on the drums, I was like, oh, this feels like a, a match made in heaven with, uh, you know, some American and, and uh, UK beatdown um, doing the cause together. So, again, like n- maybe not having any newer material to play. Maybe you guys played some some newer songs, but like, was there a bit of hesitancy like you said like have do people remember us are people gonna give a shit is this gonna be like the last time we came out here and it wasn't as popping um obviously like turned into a really positive way um in in the end uh pun intended but was there some uh some worry between uh the rest of the band before you guys you know made the trek over here yeah absolutely yeah um i i was relatively confident on it but i feel like i i I like a little bit of blind optimism to be honest Mm. um yeah there was quite a lot of worry to be honest i think just about everything i think touring america is so risky and so so many uk bands that have gone out i mean it's been the end of their careers because they've just lost so much money Mm. Um, and I think the first time we went out, we were super fortunate to sell a lot of merch and have good guarantees, but we lost so much money. If, if we hadn't, have, Th- this is the first time you came, not the, these reasons. Yeah. The first time okay. if we hadn't have like had a successful run. I mean, I would have been screwed really. I think it's it's expensive getting because it's such a big country and they're driving about renting vans and stuff. Mm. Um, but then this time, yeah, there was, there was definitely some, some fear involved, but I feel like it, it, I kind of knew that it was going to be decent. I, you, you can tell by how much promoters are offering. I think like, cause a promoter is not going to offer a reasonable amount of money if they think the show is going to suck. So I figured it would be, it would be good. I didn't know how good it was going to be. I th- there was definitely worry about it of like, mm. but that was the best tour I've ever done. I loved that tour. And, mm. you know, I liked the sleeping in the van with 12 people. I thought that it's wholesome, man. It's bonding. It's the struggle. You're in it together. Other people probably won't agree with me, but that was <laughs> one of my favorite things is just, you're getting in a van, like you're not sleeping great. It, it felt like when I was 21 touring in Europe for the first time and you just, you're on the road and you're, you're with your friends. And like, I think with these streets, like I love them. They're like such nice people and like they're decent, decent people to be around and they're all different. So you can like rinse as much conversation as you want. Like I would spend one of the nights sat next to fred just talking about like fucking hate breed or something like it was it was i loved it like for me it was it was a really really good experience like tour wise as a band it was amazing and then i enjoyed the 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 vibe really i don't enjoy american food too much though it's a bit much oh how so too greasy or so heavy It's just so heavy and like, I mean, I, I just want a salad once in a while or something like that, you know. <laughs> it's just a bit much. And I think every UK band says it. I don't know if they've ever ever expressed it outside of their sphere, but it's like, mm. yo, when I go into America, I feel rough. 
because okay. the food is just so heavy. So American promoters take note. Maybe if there's a UK band, maybe maybe cater some salad. salad. Get some salad. There's there'll be UK bands everywhere. Like so angry at me right now. But yeah, like, I just find it <laughs> it's very difficult to uh um, Yo, we went to this show in America and all they had was salad and it was because some <laughs> yeah. Canadian on the so, podcast said that. <laughs> yeah, so it is um I, I struggle with the food, I think. That's the only mm. thing. But I mean I, I try and eat quite healthy. I'm in my thirties. Like I, I can't be dealing with putting on loads of weight every six months. So I think like I try and stay on top of things and go in there, it, especially when you're on tour. It's so hard. Yeah. What's what's so your hard. what's the go to salad of choice for you? For on me, tour uh, or just at home? Well. What would I get? My wife makes a, a great salad. I don't know what any of it is, but it tastes good. <laughs> okay. It, it tastes it's good. Probably it's probably super it, colorful. Got, it has, got some things it, in there. It has like these onions. She does something with the onions and they're just mint. She smashes it. Um, okay. I was never really into the salad thing. I try and eat, like, I eat a lot of tofu and rice. That's my sort of thing. Um, quite sort of minimal carbs really and just high protein it seems to be works the best for it it keep keeps me sort of quite active and makes me quite awake so um but yeah i feel like there it's a lot of fried food which i don't really do much of here to be fair were, were there any moments of that tour where you were like you felt the gurgles after a night of of eating somewhere or is that it like was just <laughs> it was just times? like yeah every day really um it was just like when you want uh you want a snack you know and you go into like uh, you call them truck stops don't you like we have service servos service stations and mm. it's just like chips crisps and and stuff like that whereas i feel like here you can go into a service stations like You've down the M1. If you go, if I'm going to London, there's M1, right? Every other service station has an M&S, which sounds like falafel, hummus, and like all these wonderful what? things. What? That's crazy. Yeah, man. English services. It's where you need to be, really. Well, I'm I'm learning that you know o over over on your side uh, of the globe, there's much higher end food choices if you're on the road versus yeah, like. Oh. I went to one uh, not so long ago. I had a Nando's and a Weatherspoons and a Pizza Express. Wild. That is wild. <laughs> Pretty poor service. I'll be honest. I walked out of Pizza Express, but it was there. That's what's important. Oh, okay. Well, no love to Pizza Express. Uh, we don't even no, have awful. that over here. So, you know, this is no, it's not. an anti-Pizza Express podcast. Yeah, not the best, if I'm honest. No, but still... No. Great services. It definitely for me that was that my top one services of all time. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's it's it's good that you're on the the health game as far as when you when you when you're playing shows. But yeah, it, it's the the selections. You know, I, I've played in with in bands that have multiple vegan members. So when we are are rolling up, it's like, okay, what can I eat here? And there's usually like one or two things. Um, yeah. but like even in that context of something being vegan, it's not necessarily even going to be healthy at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 So. It's a lot of, and I think that's where, where I struggle in America because it's like, 
you, if you want healthy food, you probably it w- wouldn't be too hard. But if you want vegan healthy food, that's where I think that you you struggle. Mm. You really struggle because there's just so many. I mean, they taste great. Let's be honest; they, they taste brilliant. But it's afterwards. It's just they're like the greasy, feel tired. It doesn't give you that sort of energy. Mm-hmm. And I think, it'll take. It'll give you momentary uh, happiness, and then like yeah, a long. Uh, and I mean, after I got back from America last time, that is the biggest I've ever been. Oh. I felt so big. <laughs> like you put really on the big. American pounds after that uh, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone said when I started my new job that I was going to put on weight being there, but I actually lost weight because I was losing the the weight that I'd gained on an American tour. Mm. Well. We we want as many European bands to come through, but I think the lesson here is we need to offer more healthy options for the. The shows make up for it, though, don't they? And that's true. That's true. To be honest, like it's the place to be. Like it's, I think it. I love touring America. I think it's my favorite place to tour. Really. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go to. uh, I don't know uh, if this is something that's intentionally done within the desolated camp or something that just is, is me potentially overthinking it. But within all the four releases that you guys have, um, there's always some kind of, um, I'll call it the desolated damsels. Um, there's always some kind of uh, character, uh, usually female, um, that that's presented within there. And I don't know if that is just, you know, all of the... I'm not sure if it's the same artist that's doing all of those releases or yeah, if there's is, yeah. a connection between all of those people. Um, but yeah, what's, is there something behind that or is it like we, we want the same artist always including that with every release? Um, we definitely ask for a, a woman to be on the cover. Well, I do. It's not my, my thing with it was is, I'm a massive fan of Art Nouveau or was when I first got into hardcore. Art Nouveau was like my favourite art movement, really. You don't find many people that can paint Art Nouveau style anymore. Mm. And I found this guy, his name's Chris Panettiere. I think that's how you pronounce his name, on DeviantArt. I don't even know if that still exists anymore. Yeah, it was like an art blog. (laughs) It was like an art blog in sort of the the boom of the internet if you will and i was searching artists that i like and i found him and i messaged him and i was like really like your stuff could you do me some artwork for my bands and he immediately got back and was like i'd love to this is the space that i want to be i'm a massive mastodon fan i thought yeah brilliant cool so i said what i wanted and um with art nouveau a lot of it a lot of the old thing is that the flowing hair Women and women, I said, I, I basically want this, and then I wanted the themes, and I would tell him what the record was about, and then he'd come up with a conceptual idea, um, and do it. And it, it, he paints it all by hand, so obviously it takes a really, really long time. Hmm. But you'd get this artwork back and be like, whoa! And I thought, looking at his artwork from where we first started, because we used him for the sixth day record, and if you look at the ones now, like as an artist, he is like flawless now Mm -hmm. so yeah that was always the sort of plan and i think it's it became like a a thing and we wanted that theme to always continue and like 
my thing is there's the logo is never on the records anywhere i don't like to really like to even have a track listing if possible i just want it art just from being a fan of art so it's like Mm. here is the art for this record and i think with like metal and hardcore it's not very pretty is it let's be honest and i think (laughs) i like that clash of like the record's fucking angry it's pissed off like it i want that complete like if you're looking at that record you're not expecting what's on it no you're like oh this could be like a folk artist or this could be like a singer songwriter and then it's like you know and i throw someone for a loop for sure yeah and i really really wanted that to be the premise so i don't think we'd ever use a different artist because he's themed it so well um And I do you think know, a lot of Do you people, know if they did uh, any other bands or, or were you guys like the He's first done loads one? now. He's oh, done okay. absolutely loads. Uh, I think like his his waiting list might be like a year long now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. he's he's. I think he's pretty big. I don't know what other style of bands he's done. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's... But when you first reached out, like, did he did he say, "Yeah, I've done other bands," or he's like, "Oh, this would no, be the he, first he'd time. done no one, no one mm, at all." He just cool. had his work on DeviantArt, and I think he's a lawyer. Oh, uh, I think he's a lawyer in Texas because I yeah. met him at a show, and he was basically like, "Yeah, I'm not an art full time artist at all." So yeah, but now he's done loads. What's a uh... Can we shout out his uh his Instagram right now? I just want to it's, be able to pull it's this up. Chris Panatier. I think that's how you spell it. It's P A L say it. It's P A N T I E R, I think. Oh, this is a skateboarder. This is not Chris Panna. Chris Panna. Oh. T I E R. Oh, here we go. Oh yeah, yeah. This is him. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll 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 make sure I'm gonna make sure that we include his link in uh in yeah. this episode because the fact that you know you reached out to him and you wanted to do something totally different, he was cool enough to like, yeah, like let's try that out. And the fact that now he's have he's doing that for other bands and he has a long waiting list, like that's very, very, very cool. Yeah, he he's amazing. And I think it draws a lot of people in as well. Uh, that was never like a a goal really i just wanted really nice art but right. it, it draws people in to being like well what's this it's quite recognizable especially in our scene I, I don't really know the other bands that he does it for um if i'm honest mm. so i don't know what their scene is like maybe they all sort of use him I'm, i don't really know but with us it's so stands out that i think as a beatdown band it would be really hard to use that artist and not be, be confused. <laughs> Especially if you don't put the logo on the front cover like me. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it it is really cool to hear how you were like, I want I want this, if it's going to be the artwork, I want it to be the artwork first, not artwork. And here's the name of it. And here's my band's name, like beside it. And like all of that, like, you know, th- there are a lot of people that scream from the rooftops, like, if you put your logo on more people will check. but i think it is more respectable to be like this is the artwork you know if you know you know 
And if not, maybe the artwork will be cool enough that you'll go and check it out. And nine times out of ten, that's usually of what happens. You see something undeniably sick, and you're like, okay, I got to check this out. Whether that's in the yeah. record store or on Spotify or whatever. So artwork yeah. plays a labels, huge, huge part. Labels hate it. Absolutely <laughs> hate it. When you say, no, we don't want the logo anywhere on it. Right. They're like, what? <laughs> like, this is obscene. <laughs> Yeah, they hate it, but it, yeah. it's uh, it's part of my sort of thing with the theme is that it doesn't touch it. Mm-hmm. No, no text on the front. At a push, I'll have it on the back, depending on the design with the track listing. But I would like not to, if mm-hmm. possible. I can't sometimes put it on the spine just to keep people that are involved in putting it out happy. But yeah, for the most part, I try and avoid it at all costs, really. Yeah, no, I I respect it, and I think you know it's really worked in your guys's favor. But uh, I don't I don't know if uh, maybe there's some lore that you guys can build around these desolated damsels because, like, you know, uh, I, I need I, to look through the emails of what I sent to him and what I actually asked for because hmm. a lot of the time where he takes so long to do it, a lot of the time I've emailed before the record's out and said, "Hey, this is what the record's about." can you do it? And then sometimes it changes. Um, I think the end, the end changed and we had four covers for that, which was pretty cool. So each, each format has a different cover. So CD, vinyl, digital, and there was another one, but I can't remember what the other one was used for, but it was used for something. It might've just been Japan. Mm -hmm. They all have different covers. Um, And the idea was that the, the original idea was to have, the four covers as sheets in the front and just a disco is it disco bags that what they're called the sleeve it would go in with the vinyl and the vinyl would match the front of the cover and then oh. each one would be different so okay. for people that collect them it would be kind of cool but we ended up signing to a label and i think it, it was really complicated for what to do they, they were kind of like well we'd rather just put out a gatefold record or whatever so i was like okay fair yeah so each one became one became cd one became vinyl one became digital and then the other one was used i honestly can't remember where but um the theme for that that's the only one i can remember because i found the email the other day and it was i think it was heaven hell life and death so each one has a different a different theme and obviously verse of judas was themed around um the idea was that we had all the gods in one place because you never know you, you no matter how much you look you don't know what's real and what's not if you're if you're into religion and things like that hmm. i mean i'm not personally overly religious but i like the idea of religion and i find it fascinating that there's loads of different ones and i wanted to write a record about that hmm. um so i wanted like all of these gods kind of all in the same vicinity, which I think it paid off. I can't actually remember what the cover looks like, to be honest, apart from <laughs> there's a woman on the front and then it, they're all sort of around. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that one. I honestly can't remember what I asked for for Death by My Side. I think I just told him it was going to be called Death by My Side. It's, it's a really depressive record. Mm-hmm. And he just went crazy because I think he titled it Depression, I think. So... Yeah. That's, well, you know, that's the, the, the girl is is theoretically on her side. So I think that there's, yeah. you know, something. Yeah, there. it's up there, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it all means something. So he sent me 
emails of how he's made these links like he's yeah. obviously very artistic thinking and can sort of be like well this has this meaning this has this meaning and mm. kind of says well I've done this because I want it to look like this and I'm like yeah absolutely like yeah. I try and keep my um briefs for him very brief because I like him to kind of really have the most creative control as possible because yeah. he's uh, a master of what he does yeah it, it's i think when you find someone that you really love their stuff it's like some like when you really love that artist it's way better to be like i have some preferences but i do want you to like be in the driver's seat the whole time yeah. that we're doing this and if you feel like we need to take a turn here and go down this route like I, I trust your process. And I feel like that's where you're going to get the best result of something. And yeah, like not every single artist is the best fit for every single band. But when you do find that one that you're like, it, it's the ones that you're like, I love every single thing that this artist does. Then it's like they could do anything and, and you would be happy. Nine times Absolutely. out of 10. Yeah. 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 So uh, shout out to Chris. Uh, you're doing you're doing some good work there, bud. Um, so you you were mentioning as far as like we've been talking about like lack of new music in the last few years, and it sounds like there's something cooking. Um, I'm sure there's more that you can't say than things that you can say, but um, is there anything that you want to tease or anything uh, with? It's done. I mean, the record's oh, kind of okay. finished. I think, but it changes all the time. So sometimes it's finished and sometimes it's like back on the drawing board. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a really long process, but I think everyone lives so far from each other that it's sort of minimal writing time, especially actually meeting up and kind of getting into the swing of things, um, mm. which a lot of bands do. They see each other regularly. I mean, we don't even see each other at all you know see i see paul probably now like maybe once or twice a year unless we're playing wow. shows and then i'll see him then but i won't won't see him very often um yeah so it's it's there it's done i think it will be out at the end of this year i think okay. but i said that in 2021 so <laughs> um, and then two years went by so yeah well yeah and i i honestly thought it'd be done in 2019 as well but well, here we are uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> and it's still not done but now it, it there's tracks they are finished i think i i'd say they're finished okay. um i think it's 10 tracks as well it's an actual album this time which is is decent uh it's very similar to the end i think it's definitely that sound okay and that vibe it's 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 a lot more um it's back to the roots really i think i think that realm of misery was more experimental and more metal and it also had different writers on it and mm. felt very rushed okay i mean they've all kind of felt rushed if i'm honest but the process of realm of misery felt like this really long process because we weren't a band when we were writing it we were just kind of let's start playing shows again, but we want to come out with a new record. Right. But, but it felt like right towards the end, it was like, shit, we need to finish this record and, and put it out. So we did, but it, it 
it's not what I really wanted to release, if I'm honest. Mm. I look back at it and think, I mean, it's cool, it's heavy, but it's not me. That's how I feel when I listen to it. Um, I'm quite critical of everything we've ever released, but out of all of them, I think that one is the one that stands out to the most. It just doesn't feel like... It just feels off to me. I like it, and I, I think I like some of the songs on it, but I I don't know. I think we just we wanted to try something different. We didn't want to be stagnated on old stuff, and we wanted to kind of write longer songs, whereas this one, it feels much more like it's just angry. It's a lot more angry. I think the, the end is much more themed around this cycle that never ends that's what i that's how i wrote the end it was a cycle that's not supposed to end it's there isn't an end that was the purpose of it it it's just it will always continue yeah um whereas this one is a lot more focused around just the state of everything really like how people feel like how you feel how how the world is at the moment. And I think it's a lot more, it's a lot more embedded in reality, lyrically, than the end. I think lyrically it's slightly different. Maybe not so much, but it's definitely more embedded in reality, which is cool because I've never ventured down that route before. Um, It's always felt very unreal. It's always felt very delved into emotions whereas this one doesn't feel so emotional it feels much more like just angry really yeah but i think it is um i i think it will be out this year i'm hoping it will be so i mean you're saying all the right things to get me excited about it so um are you are you in charge of um the writing of the songs instrumentally as well as the lyrics or do you play a part Um, in, in both of those I think it's much more split these days. I think previously it was the majority around me, but now it's much more split across all parties. Okay. Um, I think Charlie's had quite a lot of input, who is the drummer of Malevolence, plays in us with us now. He's had yeah. quite a big influence with it. And I think now it feels much more like here's this song idea, I send it, and I get a lot of change this, change that, change this, change that. Whereas before it felt like, here's a song idea, and then there was no, it was like an echo chamber. There was as much feedback. I think mm. the members now are much more involved in it. And like, Les has written quite a lot of guitar stuff for it as well, um, which is cool. Cool to play with him, because obviously he used to play in like 50 caliber and stuff like that, which is wild so um it's good to write with that with les and he's so good at guitar so (laughs) it feels a lot more like musically full now oh i think when the end the end was very much me and tommy um and i think dan ford had said no dan ford had left for the end He'd left. So he'd just left, whereas he was kind of the person who was writing it with me 
before, whereas he'd left for the end and it became me and Tommy. Mm. And then after that, it became sort of like everyone was put in, in input, but it, it didn't, I don't think it worked personally. I think it, it felt off. Realm of Misery felt really off, whereas this one feels much more whole. Mm. And I think like even I listened to it, like the demo tracks on in the car on the way to work. And I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is hard. Yeah. Um, a lot more focused around like the unobvious beat downs is like the end was really, I felt like the end is much more curated around songs rather than beat downs. Whereas round misery was create curated around the breakdown really. Mm. Um, so I'm happy with it. I think it, sick i mean we've started doing stuff for it. we sh- shot half a video for one of the songs off there already so yeah i think it it's in full swing now so hopefully by the end of the year it'll come out yeah the, the boys are cooking uh so let them cook and i am very excited to to hear that i i hope that maybe we can have uh either someone else from the band uh on on the podcast around the time that it's dropped uh if that helps incentivize it coming out this year i'll, I'll just throw that into the ethos it needs to come out this year because i'm getting so <laughs> sick of looking at it and it's right. like one of the song names with the year 2019 next to it and i'm like oh as someone that recorded for- as someone that recorded a record in 2022 and we had to go through a bunch of our own things that now it's probably going to be coming out in 23 seeing that dropbox link from the person we recorded say 2022 pains me every time i can't imagine 2019 uh you know that's three times more so yeah i mean it, it's been a really long time to be honest and i i, I was looking for lyrics and we have like a whatsapp group so i was looking for lyrics that les had written like ages ago to show to charlie and i searched the group and found it and it was like 2020 or 2021 or whatever and i was like yeah what have we been doing for three years <laughs> well you know good things take time uh that's something that my mom told me growing up and you know whether that's an album or something else you're doing so i would rather a desolated record come out that in your words doesn't feel rushed and feels right yeah. so i'm stoked for that personally yeah, I think it'll be good. Mm-hmm. So one of the last things I want to talk to you about, Richie, is um, so you're a director. Um, and uh, I know with uh, Desolated, like you guys have not shied away from doing uh, music videos or any of that. And, you know, that's definitely one of the ways that I first found out about you guys. Um, when did, I guess, that passion viewers get introduced and and when did you start to blend that with the music because you do stuff like for bands but you do stuff well outside of music in general i think i am um, i always wanted to get into it like when we used to shoot music videos i it was like i, I really wanted the creative control and I, I i always wanted to get into it but it felt like the barrier to entry was so high back then especially with money of cameras and stuff like that whereas now it's like you can go and buy a cinema camera for just over a thousand dollars like right, and shoot right. in 4k and buy some lights and it all works fine and um when we were in america i was talking to evan i can't remember what his surname is he shot some footage for us when we were in sacramento for the next lot of music videos um mm. and he just kind of like 
sparked my interest in it again really and i was talking to him about it and he was like yeah this camera is like really good and i was like oh okay cool and i went back home and i bought a camera and then just started kind of trying to fizzle together work really and get better at it i mean to be honest i just it's better than a day job i enjoy it it's even if it's not paid it's it's a good thing to do on your time away from work, you know? Yeah. I think I always like creative stuff. And I think really, I think we came from an age that was so difficult with creative stuff because like I went to art school and studied graphic design and came out and did nothing with it because (laughs) there it was kind of like, you had to give everything and on your time off, you had to go and intern with this person and this person. Whereas I, when I had time off, I was on tour. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. So it felt like, I don't think it felt like a waste. Like I think I learned valuable stuff there, but then, um, I don't know. It just, it just kind of came. I like being in a creative space. That's my favorite sort of sphere to be in really. Yeah. Before this, I was painting a lot, and the problem with that is it needs so much space, and <laughs> yeah, it becomes really difficult to keep up. Um, and it, you just end up with your flat looking horrible. So <laughs> I had to kind of, uh, until I get a space, painting's relatively on hold. I think, sadly, because right. I enjoyed that as well. But I think this is this gives me a bit more of a a thing and also it's nice to just be around different people that want things and do different things as well like i never i always wanted to do kind of music videos but i think it's hard in this day and age because with the evolution of like tiktok and stuff like that like you can shoot it on your phone why does Mm -hmm. why does anyone need anyone um so it's been nice to go and do some like commercial stuff really and things like that was cool yeah enjoyed that yeah, it's cool to like when I hit your uh, your personal like to see. Yeah, like you might do some like um, some merch uh, promotional stuff and like shoot it in the gym and kind of do that. But you'll also do like a gym like video and someone like working out or like someone with their watches. Like to me, as uh, as also as a creative and has have done a, a a plethora of different freelance video stuff and any industry that you can imagine uh it's it's cool to see people maybe build up that skill set within the hardcore community and you know filming bands and doing things like that and then go and kill it if like you're shooting your buddy's like car show or you know someone has like a a, like a, a a small business uh like at a food spot and you're like hey i'll come and shoot a commercial and they're like did you go to school it's like no i just went on tour with my friends and i had a camera in hand but uh (laughs) yeah yeah so so just correct me if i'm wrong you had a passion in that originally and then it it sounds like there was a lull but up until that that these streets tour where you had you were seeing someone else do that that kind of like rekindled or re-sparked yeah definitely and i think like for that, that these streets tour kind of rekindled a lot of things for me, like mm. touring in general, um, just playing hardcore shows. Because I mean, we don't get to play that often. We're all very booked up with jobs, and Charlie's obviously in malevolence, which is massive is, now. Yeah. So it, it's 
you know, it really kind of um, pushed me back to a space that I think I thought that I didn't want to be in, um, but didn't realise how much I missed, really. I think that tour did a lot for me, probably with my own sort of being, really. Because I think yeah. I pushed out of the space for so long, like, you know, I we stopped doing Desolated for a while. I went and studied. I became a nurse, which is cool. And I like, I, you know, I like helping people and stuff, but it's like you're not getting that fulfillment of doing something creative. I, It's a career, if you look at it that way, but it's not you're not feeling that urge to either go and play a show, pick up a paintbrush, like film something and sit there and have the buzz of editing it. Like, and I thought I could get that buzz from doing like psych nursing. I, I thought I could, and I, I, maybe I did for a while, but it, it did feel like there was something kind of missing. And I think then playing shows again and being around like the hardcore community and, kind of pushing in that direction it, it was sort of kind of eye-opening really of why why did I leave this space well not leave but why did I kind of distance myself from this space what was the reasons and why have I kind of lost my way really I think that there's definitely some sort of self-questioning going on with that yeah yeah and I think that there's like I don't think that there's anything wrong with your having a, uh, you know, there's other things that your life that, you know, there's shifts and, you know, you're focusing on your work or you have a family crisis and you're like, I, I can't play in a band or go to like, I just have to focus on that. Um, but at least for me, anytime that I've had like some absence of that and I, I go to like a really awesome show. Doesn't matter who's playing. Doesn't matter how many people are there. When it's like the vibe is perfect, that can just like re-sparked all those things that I felt when I was like 16, 17, 18, first going to shows. And, um, yeah. you know, there, there's definitely a large spectrum where there are bands that touring and, and putting out records and doing that is their full-time thing. And then there's people that are in their very first band or, on their even on their 10th band and it, they're just playing local shows and that's all that they can do um but i think the people that stick around th there's at least some i think the people that have stuck around and stood the test of time i think those people are recognized and continue to get some level of opportunity it might not be like all the way crazy 10 out of 10 it might not and it, but it definitely isn't one out of 10 it there's going to be a spectrum where it's like hey like uh we want to book desolated for this tour or we want to bring scoped out to do this thing because you guys have been around the block you didn't just get here and you didn't come yeah. in just expecting um i think that's a really big thing that i try to say multiple times on the pod because again we have we have people of all ages and backgrounds that are listening but like there's definitely a lot of new faces and kids and people that are excited. Um, but I think with everything, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And um, the ability of being able to like kind of get reminded and not like humbled per se, but like, oh, this is actually why I fell in love with this in the first place. And, yeah, you know, changing your trajectory if you got too off course, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think 
for me, I've always found it very difficult. It, it, it never feels like you're doing enough. I think I'm a very critical person, particularly on myself and others. And I think like you always think you can be better. You can be doing the next best thing. You need to work harder and all those things. And I think I've translated that into every aspect of my life, which mm. yeah, I mean, it's got me to where I need to be, but it's, it's pretty exhausting if I'm honest. Um, right. But you know, like with everything that I've ever done, it's like, right. It, I'm not doing good enough. I need to right. be doing better. I need to be going harder. I need to be doing this. And I think, it's so hard for me not to slip into that space. I have to be super careful because, mm-hmm. I mean, I live in that space all the time, but uh, even with Desolated, it's like, you know, it's so we're writing a record, it's like, it needs to be better. That, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why it's taken so long and stuff like that, because I just constantly feel like I'm chasing something that doesn't exist. Right. Um, mm. Which is a big thing. And I think that, even even if there was a top, if you got to it, it's like, what now? You know, and I think I'm quite fortunate to have given myself a lot of life experiences with, you know, dabbling in art, desolated, being a psychiatric nurse, all of those things. I've done some like wild things and it's, it's amazing to look back on it. And I think that is the mentality that got me there because nothing was ever enough. Mm. So I can't remember what the original question is, but maybe that's the <laughs> takeaway from that. Yeah. But like everything that you're saying there, Richie is like so prevalent to my own life. Like I'm, I'm always my, my worst critic. I have to constantly practice like not giving myself, like giving myself more grace when like even when I think I don't deserve it and Mm. always feeling like behind and, you know, like I'm someone that like films bands that plays in two bands. I have two dogs. I I'm I'm married. I have a lot of other creative things that I wish I could do, but I just like, am I'm feeling like I am like, it is within my soul that I want to be overextended. But then like my physical body's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like you're just yeah. kind of like pushing your, yourself past that. And uh, sometimes it's, it's like self-defeating where it's like, did I do enough in the day? And then you're like, oh, well, I actually did this. And I feel like anyone who could zoom out of their life and zoom, zoom in onto mine would be like floored by how much I have going on and how much responsibility. And like at the end, at the end of the day, it isn't for everyone to have like that level of, intensity but like some people do thrive in the chaos uh i wouldn't say i'm yeah. thriving per se but uh i i prefer having things to do and having um some kind of calling and why to like it just existing i feel like if even if i just played in one band i feel like i would mentally just crumble because it's like that is yeah that is not enough for me is my cup overflowing right now probably <laughs> but um i would much rather it be more than full than not even halfway i i don't know yeah. if you feel the same per se uh well i actually feel like my cup's relatively empty to be honest and uh it, it's uh it's a bit annoying really because mm. i think i i thrive off having a lot of projects going on and i get excited about them and i don't at the moment and it, it, as much as 
I mean, I can't even say it's nice to relax because I don't find it nice. Mm. Um, I find it a very uneasy place to be in. I think was at the beginning of the year, I had so much film work on. There was, I think there was stuff going on with Desolated as well. I can't actually remember when it was, but it just felt like as much as I sit there and complain that I'm exhausted, like I love it. Like I'm in my zone. So I think at the moment, like it, it feels like downtime. And that for me, being in that space is really difficult because it's like there's there's all these things that I need to do, but I don't I don't want to do them. I want to like paint something or like film something or like write some music or play a show. And I think that's that for me is a really strange place to be in because I think I've moved to a part of the country that is a lot slower place than London and it it's just it feels different and I'm not sure where I fit in with it. I see. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's it is definitely difficult being critical on yourself. But I think for me, it's my way of it's definitely my way of surviving. Like, I don't really know about it. And I read this thing. It was when I was into art and I was trying to paint and I really wanted to learn how to paint like a Renaissance painter. I went to Rome. I saw some art and I was like, I'm going to learn to do that. My <laughs> wife was like, Listen just to let you know like they studied under a master for like 10 years like i was like it'll be all right i'll figure it out it'll be fine so (laughs) i started learning and i mean it went absolutely terribly for the first year i'd say and um my wife was always saying to me like you need to give yourself a break and i was like i don't i don't and then i read this thing by an artist called Titian who was a massive artist in the 16th century and he said that he would treat his paintings as his mortal enemy and it just all made sense following that because that's what it is like you always have to get to that next level and the only way you're going to get there is failure and failure is such a good thing Mm -hmm. so that's that's where I'm at at the moment need to fail at some stuff and try new things and fail at them yeah well yeah it's it's definitely like (laughs) <laughs> having some barks um i i once i was able to kind of make the shift in my mind um when it comes to like failure isn't like this like i've totally you know every everything is gone it's like no this is actually teaching more than like me getting the dub you know like yeah that is where you're like oh that didn't go right how can i make sure that that doesn't happen again and refine my process make sure that you know don't be an idiot and and you know involve that person or or whatever it is but like i as soon as i kind of like change that and almost like expect you know the failure or like i'm I'm just like where is it you know where is that thing um but um it is good to hear well it, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable at the at the very least just to be like right now like i i need more for my cup and and not and maybe not more on your plate but just more things that are actually like juicing um to to actually like get you to that speed because i i feel that same way where it's like i have yeah maybe i'm like kind of talking a little bit back to what i was saying about my cup is overflowing but it's it's actually more like my plate is overflowing 
It's like kind yeah. of your plate and your cup are kind of two separate things. Like my plate is definitely full. It's beyond buffet mode. But I feel like my cup is maybe closer to what you were saying as far as like kind of being, you know, what what on my plate is actually going into this cup that's actually making it something worthwhile. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure, man. For real. Yeah. Yeah. It so it it's very clear um that you're a very creative dude and uh you know whether it's music uh or renaissance paintings i hope that we can get some richie renaissance paintings one day um i'm i'm hoping for that um they're all on my wall <laughs> they're all on my wall <laughs> true true i've hung them up they're there mm, yeah do do you post those anywhere or is that kind of uh, like i did not online yeah um I think I'll post some up today, actually, to remind myself that I once could paint. Uh, oh, I, I do. I, they're really hard to take pictures of, though. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I've never understood how you take a picture of a giant canvas, but yeah, I um, I do occasionally put them up. I think I haven't done it for so long now. It's been probably over a year, and I think the last time I did it was my flat in London, but it looked like an art studio. It didn't look like a home, which was not a place that you want to be well, when you're uh, finishing work and coming home and everything smells of oil. <laughs> That's true. Mm. Well, I, yeah, I'll have to go check out some of the, uh, some of the artwork and, and I'm hoping that you can find space and, and, uh, and time to be able to do that. Um, Richie, before we end the episode, I asked the same kind of final question to every guest that comes on. Um, tell me a mosh related story so we can end your episode. And that's anything that's first your head could be wholesome, gruesome, funny, uh, something that happened to you or something you did, uh, at a desolated show or not, whatever's first year dome is how we start to end the show. The first one that springs to mind is we played Ghost Fest. I cannot remember what year. Shout out to Toyin because that was an amazing fest back in the day. Mm. Um, I can't remember what year it was. I think it might have been 2014, 2013. And uh, our friend Ben Spencer was there. And we got put on the main stage. And Toyin was managing us at the time and helping us out a lot. And obviously it was his festival. So he said to the security, just just leave it just let what happens happens so i'm like playing this set on this stage and like back then it was a big fest for for then it was massive like it felt massive i don't know if it was but for me it felt like a really big deal when we got to play it and we were on the main stage and it's like a proper venue like not like no barrier or anything like that there's the big barrier there's the security pulling crowd service overs and our mate ben spencer come because he used to go to all the shows and um i'm playing like looking at my guitar or whatever i've looked up and he's hanging off the balcony but on top of people so he's got his like, <laughs> arms on the balcony he's hanging and he does lap of this I'm, i guess it's like a thousand cat venue off the balcony it must have taken him probably about three minutes to get round and right. all you can see and he's just stepping his, on people <laughs> yeah and all you can see under his feet is people just fall into the floor as they go around and i was like this guy man like this guy <laughs> this is guy, man. just number one mosher like mm. probably my favorite mosher ever and yeah, just watching the chaos that he caused through all of the early desolated days 
and uh, you turn up to a show with him in the van and they'd be like, oh, this prick's here, great. But yeah, that was, for me, was one of the most like surreal things, watching him hang on a balcony and make his way around a thousand cat venue because it went all the way around the dance floor. Right. So he just was walking all the way around. He's got to below the sound guy and he just carries on. Wow. And the security just on the edge of the stage just being like, what the Just fuck shaking is their heads. <laughs> yeah, just what the fuck is going on here? I mean, so, it, it, there are very few opportunities where you can have some balcony mosh. So yeah. to all the listeners, you know, if there is a time and you want get on you know, it. I'm not get on it. Um, but I also think that there are probably people who are on the opposite side of this, you know, balcony ring that are like, this guy, I, I see a pattern and I feel like I'm on the line of fire. And so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's worth shouting out all the people that probably anticipated that happening. And they're like, well, if we just move out of the way, this guy is just going to like bail hang off the balcony, just yeah, hang yeah. off the balcony and probably fall and break his leg or something. So. I feel like those people deserve some acknowledgement, but yeah, shout the out balcony moshers. Yeah, gotta yeah. do it. And if there's an, a chance for another one, chain reaction, the, the mic stands, always going for the mic stands. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> like, I just thought, I, I just thought it was so, especially when I watched back the video and see Tony every time he leans into the mic, just the mic dart across the stage. Class, loved it. I guess as a as a backup vocalist, you're like, you know, if the mic stand gets tossed, you're like, well, I guess I can't do my parts now. But like, yeah, you know, usually there's enough people who are like putting it back together um, mid set. So <laughs> it sort it of appeared. It appeared like three or four times and then would disappear really quickly. I just really <laughs> think that that was that was just took me back to 2013, and I was like, this is sick, like, mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. So whether it's on the balcony or the mic stand, uh, if it's desolated in the room, it's a it's a no hold holds bar kind of situation, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So Richie, all of the music links and your links will be in the description and in the show notes. Uh, if there's anyone that you want to shout out, anything you want to plug, or anything you want to send the people off with, the floor is yours, man. Shout out the rest of the boys in the band. Uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> I, could, I never I, do you know what right I can probably think of a thousand people but I, it's it's not there right now so shout out to everyone shout out to all the people listening and thank you to the people still coming to the shows really because it it means the world to me that I'm still fortunate enough to have this opportunity and go and play shows with my friends and Tony <laughs> well um, yeah, I, I think shout out to everyone covers all the bases um you know the the people that have been uh around the desolated early days they they know that they're specifically being shouted out for sure um but uh richie it has been a pleasure talking to you man uh i don't know if there's any plans for desolated to come play canada um but um, there's not right now but i mean I, there's never any offers that's the thing if someone put an offer then yeah probably will we try and do at least one international tour a year maybe more after the record i don't know okay but well i would quite like to do more really well maybe post this episode there needs to be some offers yeah uh, maybe. canada canada western canada maybe but we'll see um but richie thanks again for your time and uh excited to put this out
Yeah, sick, man. Thank you for having me.